So uh, we're getting ready. To, we're going to start a new series this uh, starting it this week, but it's going to go on for the next couple of weeks. It's called uh, actually Sarah came up with it. It's been uh, really really good. Uh, it's called Valleys to Mountains. Um, so really, what we're going to go over is those times. And we any of you guys had like these really high highs where it's like, oh my gosh, this is it can't get better, and then you get these low lows, and you're like, oh my gosh, what has happened? It's like. You're, you're laying on your back. You're like, Jesus, save me. I need somebody to step in and do something because it's like, how did it go from here to crawling across the desert? You know, it, it, there's times in our lives where it's like it, it can't get better. And then there's times in our lives where it, it hits rock bottom that you're like, you're going to have to scrape me off the rocks. And, and, and what we are going to go through in the next couple of weeks here is, is how to, to go from the valleys to the mountains. And how to navigate that, how to climb that, how to, to walk through that. Because sometimes life sucks. I'm just going to be honest with you. I mean, it, it, Jesus said there will be struggle and, and there will be persecution. And it doesn't, it's not going to change. It's not going to, um, things are going to happen in our life. It's how we go through them is what the end result looks like. And so, you know, that valleys to mountain thing, it's like, okay, so you, have you ever stood on a mountain? Anybody been on a mountain besides? Yeah. Okay, so um, we were in Chicago. We were in uh, the two tallest buildings in Chicago, and um, I'm, I'm not exactly a, a heights person. And so we're, we're, stand, we're at the, um, uh, the Hancock Center, and they've got this tilt thing where you stand in it, and it's all glass, and you kind of just tilt over. And I was okay until we got uh, about right here. And then when it started getting like here, I'm like, nope, I just stepped off. I'm like, I can't do this. It's just, it's, this is wrong. No more humans should be doing this over the face of the earth. Um, you know, airplane, I'm okay with. Glass and a little bar to hang on to, absolutely not. I'm like, no, nobody should do this. And, and I've got my sticker in my backpack that says I did the tilt, but I cut it in half because I only did half of it. So, um, my kids are all like, this is the greatest thing. And then we were at the Willis Tower, which is the Sears Tower, and they've got this glass floor that you can just sit on. My kids are sitting on it. I'm like, I took one step. I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm, I don't want to be there. So there's times where, like for me, that, that's the valley for me. And I'm like, nope, I want to go down. I want to stay on ground floor. My kids are like, this is the best thing ever. And so there's times where it's like, okay, I'm looking down and I'm seeing the world and everything is great. And then there's, then there's people like me who are like, I just want to leave. I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to, I don't want to stay here. God, how do I get out of here? Is what I was asking when, um, when I was up there. And again, it was fun to look out, but to look down, it was like, nope, I'm not doing this. And so the mountains are the top where we get to that point. It's like, man, this is where God wants us to be. But the valleys sometimes, they, they, they suck. They, they're not nice, they're not fun, they're dry, they're, they're a desert. But sometimes the valley is where we have to go through to get to the, to, to the mountaintop because God has to work on our character, has to work on things that we're dealing with in our lives. And so um, today we're going to talk about spiritual voids. Um, like there's a void between my feet and the ground at, you know, 120 stories 130, thanks for reminding me. Um, I looked down at our hotel room at 38 floors. I'm like, oh, I got vertigo. I'm not going to do this. Um, I had to go sit down. I was like, I can't take this. Um, but spiritual voids, there, there's, there's this times in our life that it's like, man, I am at the top of this mountain and it is going well. Everything is great. God is is speaking to me. I'm, I'm in his word. I'm receiving from him. I'm praying and I'm in 
my, my prayers are, are working and, and everything is going great. And then there's that, that, that feeling, you know, have you ever been to a conference, you go to this conference or you go to this retreat and it's like, man, this is so good and this is so great. And then you, like three weeks later, you're like, man, where, that, where did that go? We've all been there. We've all gone to those retreats. We've all gone to that conference where it's like, man, I'm so encouraged. I'm so excited. And then, you know, a month later, you're just like, You know, you walked out of the conference, you were skipping and doing cartwheels, and then, you know, four weeks later, you're like, where did the fire go to, to get that? You know, so what happens is our, day, uh, our day-to-day life can seem very normal, and it can be very boring sometimes. We, we get into the routine of going to work, raising our kids, you know, uh, going to church, go, going to family activities, different things like that, and it's like, okay, where, God, where, where are you in this? And, you know, we spend most of our life sleeping. We spend eight hours. Well, I, I don't spend eight hours. Um, I try to spend eight hours or more if I can make up for it, sleeping. Um, but we, we get up and we go through this 12-hour routine every day that we have to do. We get up, we eat breakfast, we go to work, we come home, we, we, we make dinner, we, we spend time with our kids, we put our kids to bed, we, we try to get a moment of of alone time, especially if you have young kids. Nicole, I know. <laughs> but there's times where it's like, okay, I'm in this normal everyday life, but it may not feel like he's there or not, not that he's even there, but it's, it's, a, it's a, okay, why? There's no excitement to it. It's just, okay, I'm, I'm walking through. You know, you read your Bible, and you're like, yep, I read my Bible. But sometimes it becomes a routine. You know, sometimes it, it feels like this is the best thing ever, and I could do this forever the rest of my life. And then there's other times where it's like, ugh, what, what am I doing? God, where, where are you at? Where are you leading me in this, in this moment? Um, you know, there's times where you are at church or you're out doing something and you get to minister to someone and you're like, this is the best thing ever. And you're seeing people born again and you're seeing people come into the, the family of God and into the kingdom of heaven. And, and, the, and then you're like, but where, where do I go from there? Because that excitement is great. But that, that when it's not happening, you know, like I, I get bored when I go, because I don't ever go to lunch. So I go, I go to Walmart and Myers, and I just go looking for people. I just... I find people and I just, whether I get to minister to them, like encourage them or, or, or speak the word of God over them, I just like to find random people. And sometimes I, I might be that weird guy in the store, but I find people and I just, I, I try to talk to them and be nice to them because I see people that are hurting. I see people that, that need God. And there's that, there's that moment of spiritual high and it's like, man, God, this can't get better. People are getting saved. People are getting born again. They're, they're coming into the kingdom of God. They're getting baptized. They're, they're getting healed. And it's all of a sudden, and then it kind of fades. And you're like, okay, where, that void is hard to navigate sometimes. It feels boring. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. It feels boring. You know, the, the excitement of the conference, the excitement of people getting born again, the excitement of, of baptizing people is, is, is a high. And then when you go on with the rest of your life, and you're like, this is so boring. I want to go back to that. You know, when we go to those conferences and when we, we come back from those conferences, we go to those weekend retreats, we get amazing testimonies from them. And those are, are great. 
And those are the things that we want. We want people's lives to change at those things. We want people to have a fresh revelation of, of God and, and understand Him better and, and have a closer walk with Him. Um, the highlights is, is something that we really like, but we want to create something instead of having okay we have a highlight reel of boom 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 you guys ever look at facebook and there's always that perfect family on facebook and you never see anything their kids are always perfectly dressed and their hair is perfectly combed and you're like i don't like you because you don't have a real life (laughs) and um but you have to understand is like my daughters they probably shot about 20 selfies just to get it right to make everybody look perfect And, and so that highlight reel looks really good and, and we want a highlight reel. And as human beings, we want highlight reel. We want the best. We want the, the, everything to look perfect. We want you know, the perfect selfie, the perfect family. We want everything. But that's not how life works. And anybody with kids said amen. Um, but the highlights, we want to, we want to create a, a powerhouse in the church and in, in us so we don't go through those voids. We need to, to have a, a constant reminder of those things so when we're seeing god do miracles when we see somebody that is dying of cancer or and they and they god heals them or we see someone who is far from god come and he draws them close and they're born again that's that's the things that we really look for and what we want when we see god move we're tangibly feeling what god is doing because it's excitement it's the spirit in us it is his spirit in us that is is uh charging us up it's getting us excited for what he's doing we feel the presence of the holy spirit we feel god do things you know when we see him pour out his spirit on people you know people that are 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 sick or are depressed or whatever and you see god pour out onto them and all of a sudden god has healed them or you see signs and wonders it's like Oh my gosh, what what just happened? And it's like you have to you have to do a double take and say, Oh my gosh, God just did this. And so we we enjoy that. But you know, when favor is on us, when you feel the love of God and you feel like, you know, it, it talks about in, in the Old Testament how when Aaron was anointed, it, it they poured the oil over him and, and it covered every part of him. And there in our highlight reels are, are are like that. It feels like God is pouring out everything over top of us. He's anointing us with everything. But then there's times where we say, okay, um, I just want a drop of it, you know, because it, it feels dry. It feels void of something. But we have to, what God is trying to do is to grow us in, in character and maturity so we can not just go from, have a seesaw relationship with him. We don't have that seesaw moments where it's like, oh, it's really bad and it's really good. It's really good spiritually, and then it's really bad spiritually. He wants it to be an even across the board. So our excitement for him is there. Our excitement to to reach the lost is there. Our excitement to grow and read the word and understand the word of God is there. But we have to find balance. So we don't go from one end to the other. Because there's always, when you have a void, there, that means there's a, a long distance, there's a, a crevice, there's something there that needs to be crossed over. And so how do, how do we get there? You know, we want to experience God's presence. We want to experience God and, and to be able to understand Him in a greater way. So if we look, the mountaintop 
That's the most heavenly perspective we can have. The mountaintop where we, we are up at the mountain, we're looking down and we're seeing what, what God has done, what God is doing, and we're like, this is the best that I, relationship I've ever had with God. Now, you look at King David. King David in the Bible throughout his entire life. He had extreme highs and extreme lows. He went from standing and in, in, uh, being right with God to being corrected by, by the, the prophet of the, of the nation for his sin. So David understood what the void was. David understood going from extreme lows to extreme highs, and, but things didn't really change him. If you look, he went from one to the other, but he was consistent with God. You know, he danced in the, in the presence of God without fear, without worry, without anything else. And, and his own family said, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Because he was in public. You know, he sang unto the Lord. He was a shepherd. He played unto the Lord. He played his heart for, for the Lord. He, he was ministering to, to God while God was ministering to him. You know, he defeated an undefeatable giant. Some, he defeated a man who re- literally scared the entire nation of Israel, all their mightiest warriors, their king. He went in and defeated them. But God, after all these highs and lows, you know, he commits adultery and has the, um, the husband killed. And he has to be rebuked by the prophet Nathan. And, but God still calls him a man after his own heart. So that, in our mind, it's like, okay, but he did this and this. But God was just, God was right, and he forgave what David was. But David had repentance. If you look at, at the scripture, David cries out and says, I'm in a pit, I need repentance. I mean, there was times where David is like, literally, he's being hunted, he's, he's either in sin, but he calls out to God and he cries out to God and says, you know what, I need your forgiveness. I need you to come back. I need to be in right standing with you. You know, David was living on a spiritual high. He heard from the Lord, was in his presence. He chased after God. He, he, he followed after God. And his highs, we, we want to follow after God. We want to chase after God. And we want to have those, those moments with God where it's like, God, yes, this is what is happening. This is what's going on. And I am lined up with your will. I am following your will for this moment in my life, for this season of my life, that you are directing me, you're guiding me, and I can then go to you and line up so my actions, what you're asking me to do, follows your will for my life. But something happens to David, if you look, and something happens to us when we get comfortable. We get that comfortable feeling, you know. You ever been there? I get that that feeling. You know, you you start going to work, you start doing your things, you start going through life. And it's, you start going to church, and church just becomes church. I don't want church just to become church. I don't want to have to get up and say, I've got to go to church today. I want to be so excited that I get to come to church and be around other believers who can encourage me, build me up, and we can have a community of people that are not just focused on each other, but we're focused on what we're doing in the community and in our county and in our towns. 
Because what happens is, is if we get in that, the, there's a sailing term called doldrums. And basically what it is, is when the wind stops and you're literally just sitting there. For a sailor, a lot of times that was death because it might be a week, it might be days, it could be a month before the wind picks up and actually does something and able to direct them. And so we go through life and we get into those, that's where the word dull comes from. We get in that dull routine, that rut of, of going through life, going to church. Well, I went to church today. But you don't remember what, you, what, what was, was going on. You don't remember what God was doing. You don't, you don't have... Um, what happens is because you become dull, your senses and, and your spirit become dull to God. And, and so when you're, when you're in that void of, of going through things and you're just like, okay, this is, this is... Yep, I just went to church. Went to church today. Okay, great. What, did you, what happened? What did God do? What happened to your heart? What happened to your spirit? What happened to your mind? Did God change your mind? Did God convict you of something? Did God change something in you? It becomes wind in the sails. But we just, we get into that routine. And we've all been there. I'll admit I've been there. There's times where it's like, okay, you know, last year was like, I got to go to church. Like, I, when I got here, it was great, but getting up was like, oh. I'm like, Sarah, like, time to get up? I'm like, yep, five more minutes. I'm like, just, just give me five more minutes. It's all I need. But it was great when I got here, but it was, it was, the, it was the dragging myself out, out of bed on a Sunday at 7 o'clock going, oh, I don't want to do this. But when I got here, it was like, okay, yes, I'm here. I'm happy I'm here. I'm glad, glad I'm here. Because of what happens when I'm here. What happens when we gather together? What happens when we praise God together? We don't want church just to be church. We don't want our walk with God just to be a walk with God. We don't want our walk with God to be a stroll in the park. No, we're just walking around, me and God. Okay, if anybody knows myself and my wife very well... Um, she does 90% of the talking. Most of my talking during the week is done on Sunday, and then that's pretty much it after that. Um, they are true when women talk, you know, a lot more than men. Um, the only time I, I talk more is when I, ha- I was medicated a couple weeks ago, and uh, medication for some reason just messes with me. Um, but we don't want our, our relationship with God just to be a walk in the park where we're just walking through. Because if it was like our, our, when we go walking, I don't say anything. She just talks. I'm just like, yep, mm-hmm. yep, okay. Sounds good. I don't want my relationship with God to be that way. I don't want um, my relationships to be that way. Yeah. My walking relationship is that way. But when my wife is talking to me, I'm like, okay. I use a few more words. <laughs> I use a few more expressions to, to her. But... We want our, our, our walk with God to be something that is, is more like a love relationship. So when you're in love, you're holding hands and you're, you're, you're walking back and forth and, and you're talking and you're communicating, you're connecting. So that, that, that time where it feels like me and her walking, I still love her. And just to let you guys all know, I do love her. <laughs> but I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge talker. So but I want my relationship to God to be a love relationship. So when I'm walking with him, I'm not just like, 
How you doing? I want it to be, I'm holding God's hand. He's leading me. He's, he's taking me along where we're going. And it's not a boring walk in the park like I take. I want it to be exciting because when He leads me, He's leading me to something new. He's leading me to a new experience with Him. He's leading me to a new experience with someone else that I can minister to. You know, you look, at, you look at the life of David and he had high highs and then it, it, you look at the Psalms and he's writing Psalms of, of praise and joy and then some of the other Psalms are like, I am in a pit, I need to be dragged out. Please show mercy and show kindness to me. Yeah. You have to, be, to decide to be extraordinarily, extraordinarily excuse me, enthusiastic about being in the presence of God and being with God. There's, there's times where you don't feel like it there's been times where I got up and I don't feel like coming to church because I'm just tired, grumpy, whatever it is. But there's, now I have to make that choice to be in the presence of God, to be with God when he, we gather together. You can be in church and not experience anything of God. You can stand here, sit here, sing, raise your hands, and never experience God because it's a choice to experience God. Right. You can go through the motions of this or this or this or this or however you want to do it. <laughs> However you raise your hands, however you do when you, you're singing to the Lord, you can do that. But nothing will change if it's all emotion. It has to be, we have to decide to step into the presence of God, step into where God has, God has a, a moment for us. Because if we don't, what's going to happen? It just becomes a routine. It becomes, I'm exercising. What happens is when we, uh, we, allow, we step, take that physical and, and spiritual choice to yeah. step into the presence of God, what happens is it builds us. Yeah. It becomes like a muscle. You have to do this. We were talking to Megan in the beginning of, uh, before service, and we were talking about um, she was doing this rope thing on Facebook, and, and I, we were saying about weights. You know, when you're doing this with the weights, it's all great until about 10 or 12 times, and then you're like, and I said, sometimes you have to go, you have to take the weights instead of doing this, you have to go up like this because it, you're creating, what happens when you work out, you're creating muscle memory um, on how to do things. So there's going to be times where you're working out or you do certain things that it's like people try to do it with you and they don't know how to do it because you've done it so many times, you create a memory of that. So what happens is, is this, is when I want to... Um, create muscle, you, can't, you can do this, but you have to do alternate versions of it in order to create that muscle because your muscle will get so used to doing it a certain way that it doesn't actually challenge you anymore until you add more weight or try another technique. So if you use a, one of those bands or the, the weight pull machines, try doing it with free weights or whatever it is. But So we have to start to build our, our spiritual muscle with God. And what happens is, is this, that means we have to make that choice to start doing something yeah. instead of just showing up. Instead of just sitting, saying, okay, well, I'm here. Minister to me. No, that's, that, that's not correct. It is correct in one way where we come to church to get ministered to, but it is our job to feed daily on the Word of God and to pray daily to, to so He can respond to us and we can respond to Him. But what we do is we come to encourage each other. We come to praise Him. We don't come to get praised. We come to minister to the Lord. And if you look at it, the Bible, it talks about David. He was ministering to the Lord. He was singing to the Lord. God doesn't need us. 
He wants us. God doesn't need our praise, or excuse me, He doesn't need our praise, but He wants our praise. He doesn't need it. He created humans because He he wanted to have someone on earth that He could love. But He doesn't need us to praise Him. He loves it when we do, but He's not codependent on us. God is not codependent on us to, oh man, you know what? Ray got up this morning and he prayed, but he didn't say he didn't sing a song to me this morning. He doesn't he doesn't operate that way. God doesn't say, well, you know, you didn't do this today. He's he's looking for us to. He wants us to do it because he understands the connection that happens when we do it. There's times when we're praising the Lord and we're singing to God, and it's like, oh my gosh, he's doing something in us. He's working in our hearts and he's working in us. But we need to build that muscle. And what happens is, is if we don't build that muscle, it just becomes, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I praise God. Now I'm going to do this. It becomes that, that dull rut of a, a relationship. But what God is expecting us to do, what God desires for us to do is, is this. And, and, and I'll get to it in a second. Is what, what does it say when the Holy Spirit came into the upper room? What does it say it came like? It came like a mighty rushing wind and it said tongues of fire were over their head. And what happened after that? 3,000 people got saved and were brought into the the kingdom of God. That's a good day. I'm just saying. I'll go for 30, but 3,000, that's a great day. But what what that is, is this, is that was was gasoline. We need to be that gasoline on the fire of people around us. We need to spur each other on, encourage each other on. You know what? Hey, you're going through a tough time. You're going through an area where it it doesn't feel like God is there and it doesn't feel like you're connecting with him, but he is there. He is waiting and he's connecting with you. And sometimes we have to just spur each other on, throw a little bit of gasoline on the fire. Find someone who is excited about the Lord and throw a little spiritual gasoline on them. You know, when we're born again, I, it's, I love seeing new believers because when they're born again, it, it's awesome. They, they love God. They don't know what they're doing half the time. They don't know, quite understand it, but they're, they're born again and they've got, they're reading their Bible. You know, you watch new believers who can drop addiction. Addiction falls off of them instantly. You know, a week later, they're like, yeah, I was doing drugs, drinking and everything. And, and now it's gone. Because they, they understand there's such a, a fire inside of them and they don't understand and that's God, God's like, it's perfect. You don't need to understand right now. I'm going to break things off of your life, release you from things, and I'm going to add fire to it. You, you see, I've seen uh, people who have been born again a week and they'll, they'll, they'll pray for somebody and somebody will get healed. It's like, I want to do that. Yeah. But th- there's such a fire in them. There's such a, a, a gallon of gasoline that's been poured on them that it starts to overflow in other people. It starts to saturate other people. And what we need to do is we need to do this. When we see people going through that void, that time where it feels like it's, where there's no wind in the sails, we need to spur them on. We need to encourage them and say, you know what? It, it may look a little void right now. It may look dull right now. It may look dry right now, but it's not. The valley... If you look at most valleys um, in, in our areas, valleys are, are, are usually um, 
full of trees and, the, and they're wet and, the, and they have rivers flowing through them. But when you get out in the desert, that valley is, is like the place where snakes go. <laughs> and, and so what happens is when we go through that valley, a lot of times it's dry. And we need to saturate the people around us. We need to water the people around us so that when they're going through that, they have something to drink. They have something to eat. And there's times where it, it may not work out right and it may not seem like it's going, but when you have people around you, when you're going through those tough times, when you're going through that, that void and that, that desert place of, in your spiritual life, there's people around you to water you to build you up, encourage you, and to edify you. And so when we're going through those voids, when we're going through those tough times, what happens is we we, we fall back on emotion. We fall back on, you know what I mean, that that sigh you do when you're going through something you don't want to go through. Yeah, we we all do it. But we need to be spirit-driven, spirit-led. Paul says, I crucify my flesh daily. And he actually says, I beat my, my flesh into submission. So that means his emotions and his, and his feelings don't lead him. That his spirit leads him. That the spirit of the Lord leads him. Emotions can get bored. Never get bored? If you're bored right now, leave your hand down. Um, <laughs> Our emotions can get bored, our, our feelings can get misaligned. But the Spirit of God never grows weary. So when we're weary, He's actually right there with us saying, Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not tired. I'm not going to step away. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You know, if you're in that transition season, if you're in that, that, that dry area in your life, if you're feeling boredom, inner disconnect, you guys ever felt disconnected? Yeah. You guys ever disconnected yourself from something yep. and didn't realize you disconnected from and then you have to reconnect and you're like, oh, it's so much better when I reconnect. Yeah. You know, if you're feeling that disconnect, it's time to change and say, okay, what am I doing that I need to reconnect, to get refreshed, to get watered. You know, ask yourself, am I, what, am I, what am I avoiding doing? What am I not being responsible for in my spiritual walk? You know, am I slowing myself down or is God slowing me down? You know, everybody wants to, to, to take the fast track to, to spiritual maturity. Everybody wants to, you know, you know they want that two-year, pro, that two-year course that gets them spiritually, fully spiritually mature, and it's like, okay, it doesn't work that way. If, if anybody knows, it takes years of, of submitting to God, listening to God, understanding His Word, reading His Word, allowing people to minister to you. You know, if someone can say, well, I, I read my Bible every day, I'm spiritually mature. Until you learn to submit to God through the authority of man, you'll never become spiritually mature. Because God sets people in place as leaders to grow you in areas. You know, you look at Paul. 
you see Paul, he's on the road to Damascus and he, he, he's met by God. He says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul gets the, the, the uh, things over his eyes and then he goes and the, the apostles come to him and they minister to him. But you don't see Paul, who is Saul at the moment, get up the next week and go out. There was a, there was a, a maturing time. If you look at Barnabas, Barnabas was... It was um, throughout Scripture, or throughout the New Testament, you see Barnabas and, and Paul, Barnabas and Saul. Par, bar, then it switched over to Paul and Barnabas because Barnabas was his mentor. Paul, Barnabas was the one that was growing him spiritually so he could go out and minister to people. He needed some time away to let his reputation change because he came, became the, he went from the persecutor of the church to the builder of the church. And so... Sometimes Paul had to take ownership for the things that he had done, be responsible for the things he had done. God slowed him down for a period of time to grow him and make him mature in areas so that he could release him to run and build the church. If it wasn't for the Apostle Paul, we would, not be, we would probably not be standing here today. If he said, no, God, I'm not going to do this, our, 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 our church culture, our, the church as a whole in the Bible probably would have looked different because Paul had a certain citizenship that allowed him to go to place to place. God would have found someone else to do what Paul was doing, but it probably would have read a little different. What God did is this, is he slowed Paul down as Saul and said, you know what, this is a time for you to grow. This is a time for you to come and learn and to learn to rely on me and be and know who I am. But when that season was over, the next season exploded. Paul was going boom, boom, mission trip after mission trip. He was planning church after church after church in the areas that he went to. But so God was like, okay, I'm holding you back. But once I let you out of the gate, that gasoline's going to be on you. And you watch the church explode once Paul was released to do his ministry. You know, there was times where you, you see, it's like, okay, you know, you're going through the, the everyday things of life, and you're like, oh, you know, God, what you doing? What are you doing? What do you want me to do? And we need to be able to learn to step into the presence of God, um, carry the presence of God, Instead of, well, I, I come to church to feel the presence of God. Yes, we do. Because when we corporately gather, says, he says, when two or more are gathered, I am present with you. Yeah. And, and you'll see corporate gatherings. I mean, you, you look at the, um, I like reading some of the old um, American revival um, stories of, of some of these guys that came in and, and started revival in the 1700, 1700s. And you see how um, D.L. Moody, it's, it's funny to, to uh, read his story um, because people interpreted what he, who he was as different than who he was, than actually he, who he was, because he would go into um, rooms alone and stay with God and, and, and be alone with God for days and come back and, and, and be refreshed and, and, and change areas in um, America, and he would he would spend these days alone with God, and just be like, "Okay, God, I'm I'm spending this time with you. I'm being alone with you." And he would come back, and thousands of people would be saved 
because he would spend that alone time. But he learned to spend that alone time. It didn't just start when he first started his ministry. He grew in that, and, and he learned to step into the presence of God and be alone with the presence of God for days so he could minister to people. Because he said, uh, he goes, I don't know what happened. He goes, I didn't change the message. I didn't change anything I said, but I changed the amount of time I spent with God. He goes, I, 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 he, he goes, I preached it verbatim, but the, the response today was greater than the spot, response a week ago when I, when I gave a, 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 a chance to come to the altar because he spent that time with God. He entered into the presence of God and allowed the presence of God to change him. Allowed him. What, what's great about God is this, is when you, when you allow the, the, the Spirit of God to lead you, you can speak the same words, but it changes the hearts of people. Because what happens is the, the words become anointed by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is working to change people's hearts. So we can, we can do anything and be worshiping in the presence of God, be experiencing the presence of God. But, but as humans, we tend to, to separate those. You ever notice that? We separate being in the presence of God and doing our normal day things. Um, and... and We've got to start to change our hearts and our minds to, to everything we do is, is the presence of God. Because when we, when we create an atmosphere of, of openness and acceptance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the Holy Spirit will, will, will rest on us. You know, it talks about in the Gospels where when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in, in the form of a dove or in the likeness of a dove and it rested on him. And there's a, a book I was reading. He said, what, what if the Holy Spirit was a dove? I mean, and this is just an analogy. He said, what if the Holy Spirit was a dove? Would the actions we do daily, would the things that we do daily scare that off of our shoulder? And I know it's a weird analogy, of a, a, but he said, if we walk in the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will always be on us, will always be with us. And he said, what would we have to do, what would we have to change in order for that dove to never move off of us? And so as we go through our daily life, we have to start thinking, okay, what, what am I doing? And God, how can, I, how can I add you into this? You know, it's like, okay, are you doing laundry? Are you changing a diaper? Are you you driving to work? Are you, you know, working out in the yard? How do, you, how do you adapt yourself to bring the presence of the Lord in so you're constantly mindful of it? Not just, well, I go to church and the prayer meetings and when I have my prayer time, say, God, how are you doing this today? What are you doing in this area of my life today? What are you doing when I go to work today? What are you doing when I'm out mowing the yard today? What are you doing when I'm shoveling snow, which we should be mowing our yards today? Um, <laughs> What are, how, do you, how do you allow God to come into your life? How do you allow the Holy Spirit to be present in those times? And, and it really comes from it is stepping back and saying, okay, like D.L. Moody did. He, he spent that time with God and said, you know what? I'm going to step back. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and I'm going to carry him everywhere I go. Because you could say the same things. But when the Holy Spirit is present with you and when the Holy Spirit is resting on you like it did with Jesus, it changes what you do. It changes the way you think about things. It changes the way that you respond to things.
and <clears throat> but it comes from dying to self. So when you're going through those voids, you say, God, what do I need to give up? What do I need to crucify today? What do I need to change in my life? Because is my flesh leading? Are my emotions leading? And I need your spirit to lead. I need to be spirit-led, not flesh-led. Paul is, is great on really talking about the flesh and saying, okay, you need to kill the flesh daily. You need to crucify yourself daily. Die to self. So, that, so less of me means more of him. And so we need to focus on, okay, I need more of him in my life. How do I take more of him and bring it into my daily walk? How do I bring it into my daily conversations? How do I bring it into my daily chores? How do I bring it into every aspect of our life? So that when we're going through the void, it's not like, oh God, why are you so far from me? You know, you, I've talked to people in the past and, and it's like they, they're, they're in a high place with God and all of a sudden they go through a tough time and it's like, God, where are you? Well, no, he, he, he said, Jesus said, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So if, if Jesus said, I'll never leave you and never forsake you, God's never going to leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit's never going to leave you or forsake you. So when we're going through those tough times, it's like, okay, this void looks like it's going to go on and I feel like I'm just struggling to get any excitement about what you're doing. Say, you know what? God, I know you're here. I know you're never going to leave me. And ask him, what do, what do I need to change? What do I need to grow in to allow the gasoline that should be poured on my life and my spiritual life to be poured on me? Because God doesn't want you to show up on a Sunday, shake a couple hands, smile a little bit, eat a cookie and you get some coffee and go home. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a connection with you so that when you go out, you're like, yeah, that cookie was good, but my experience with God was better. Yeah. So as we go out this week, say, God, okay, where, where do I need to go? God, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? God, where do you need me to pour, be poured into? And where do you need me to pour out? Let's pray.